0: It's Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and all Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. And hey, Chet, before we get to sports, we have to take a minute to send our thoughts and prayers out to all that ended up in the path of Hurricane Ida and, and the aftermath. Uh, Damage like never seen before, everywhere.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, at least two dozen deaths in the Northeast from that. A lot of flooding. Uh, Philadelphia got socked. So did uh, Bucks County, Burlington County. Miami-Dade area not too bad, although there were some tornadoes in the area, as you know. Uh, thankfully, you know, not too many lives lost, but still there were some and a lot of damage. Seen some, uh, you know, bad pictures out there. Our buddy Frank got hit. So, uh, you know, hopefully everybody's okay
0: yeah and you know all the way from louisiana all the way up through the center of the country and and to the east uh boy it was just bad and uh you know so much rebuilding to do so much work to be done and uh so many people out there today already helping others and heck that's yeah. what it's about at this time because you can't uh, you can't do this kind of thing alone you got that right. Hey, Bill, well, this is
1: going to be a fast-paced hour. I got to tell you, we got so much going on with uh, you know football starting up, the Ben Simmons news on Tuesday, and the Phillies somehow staying in the race despite injuries to Reese
0: Hoskins, JT, and Zach Eflin. Hard to believe, Harry. It is hard to believe. But, hey, we're going to get it rolling. Uh, the Phillies, speaking to them, they're on the upswing. They won again today. Just a game and a half now behind the Braves. Go figure. I mean, they are an upswing, downswing, upswing. They're on an upswing. Uh, They beat up on the Nationals pretty good. NFL preseasons finished. Rosters are being shuffled on a daily basis. We'll cover a lot of Eagles next week on our uh, season opener, as you mentioned. Ben Simmons, apparently he doesn't want to play here anymore. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. We have our eighth annual Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame selections. The fans got it right again, I think, uh, there, Chet. And you know this is my favorite time of year. It's college football season. We're loaded up again tonight, and I can't wait. You've got those like five or six side by side TVs ready to go.
1: I do, I do, <laughs> and
0: uh, you know the, I I already have the uh, that that other that Ohio team is already on my TV waiting for me to come come oh, see boy. it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about college football as always, and uh, we got a couple great guests tonight. One's going to help us. Uh, cover all of college football but the Penn State Nittany Lions in particular that's PennLive.com's David Jones will be back with us and uh, then we have Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs broadcaster Pat McCarthy who, who made his big league debut the other week uh, making his first visit to Philly, Philly Press Box Radio
1: we know T-Mac pretty well and now we're getting to know P-Mac so uh, yeah good conversation with P-Mac coming up
0: all right Well, let's go ahead and get this show rolling. Let's welcome David Jones back to Philly Press Box Radio to talk college football. How you doing, boys? Hey, David.
1: Dave, welcome back. Hopefully uh, you survived the big thunderstorm and
2: (laughs) the flooding and the mess we had last night. I gave, I gave you some meteorological knowledge there, didn't I, Chet, yesterday? You did, man. You did. had no idea that was going to come, <laughs> did you? Oh, I didn't know it was going to be that bad in our area, but it I was pretty Penn nasty. I know Penn State meteorologists. I know. Uh, yeah, that's right. Got you guys. got insiders. I'm, I'm kind of a weather geek, too. Uh, well, yeah.
1: speaking of Penn State, how about we talk a little football to get it going? Uh, first of all, how weird is it that the Lions are opening with an important Big Ten battle rather than, you know, Akron or Buffalo or Kent State or some other lower echelon team?
2: Well, they did it last year only because of COVID. You remember they only played they only played Big Ten games, so it was at Indiana right out of the box. And this is about that difficult. Uh, I thought Indiana was a very underrated, a really good team, and I I had them making a move in the East. They did, and um, this Wisconsin team, we're not really kind of we're we're not quite sure what they have. They had a little bit of a COVID mess last year, more than Penn State did. Uh, They've got a quarterback unlike they've ever had before Uh, is a second year kid named Graham Mertz. Usually they have those loaves of Wonder Bread at quarterback, you know, Wisconsin. (laughs) You you remember the electric football game you had when you were a kid and the the 10 quarterback who couldn't complete a pass. Yep, and You just hand it off all the time. That's kind of Wisconsin quarterbacks. Usually Graham Mertz is not that. He's got a big cannon arm. Uh, he's a little bit into NIL. He's into his image. He's unlike, unlike any Wisconsin quarterback, any of the John Stockos or uh, Brooks Bollingers or any of those guys. Uh, so, but, but he kind of had a rough second half of the season. You remember they, they, they went into uh, uh, Michigan and Illinois and just beat the living crap out of both of them. And then they, they fell on some hard times. But I think COVID and some injuries affected that. Uh, both of their wideouts, uh, uh, Danny Davis especially, uh, really hurt them because they weren't around. They both got concussions. And they're, they're both kind of come back. So we really don't know what we have here. We do know that Wisconsin wants to run the ball. And the irony of all ironies is that their new running backs coach is a guy by the name of Gary Brown who used to be a Penn State running back and then yep. played nine years in the NFL and was a very good running back uh, for the Oilers and the Chargers and the Giants. He, he gained 1,000 yards in two different seasons, almost did it in the third. Um, but they don't have one big feature, one main feature back that they have uh, identified anyway. They've got a kid who's he hasn't even turned 18 yet. From Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, oh. who is like 6'2 and 240 and looks like a Wisconsin running back, but he's just a kid. So I don't anticipate Paul Chris to put him in right away. So we could have, of all things, a Wisconsin running back by committee. Uh, they have a good offensive line, but their tackles have been through some nagging injuries in camp. So we don't know quite what we have there either. But their veteran tackles should be dependable. I think they're okay from what I've heard. So I think for Penn State fans, you have to watch that side of the ball. Uh, If Wisconsin can control the ball and get ahead, as is always the case with Wisconsin, look out. If they're running that slant play and they're gashing Penn State for six yards rather than three, they're just going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and it's going to be hard to stop. And Penn State has a couple of new defensive ends, uh, Arnold Ebiketti from uh, Temple, and we're not even sure who's starting on the other end, but they're both new uh, because both of Penn State's defensive ends moved on to the NFL, um, Shaka Smart being one of them and uh, Jason Oway being the other. So th- I think that's the matchup you have to look look for is w- Wisconsin is going to try to run the ball Early and often, if they can do it, they will keep doing it. If they can't, then it becomes a ball game.
0: Hey, Dave, for us uh, college football geeks, uh, you know, usually we have to wait till October to put our five TVs up, but uh, college football is starting with a bang here. We have Penn State, Wisconsin, we have Notre Dame, Florida State, we have Alabama, Miami, we have Georgia, Clemson. Uh, I mean, just top notch games across the Saturday. Um, this geek might have to get all of his TVs up early.
2: I'm uh, actually a little bit curious about tonight, uh, what's yeah. starting right now. Um, if you know anything about Minnesota, you know that they've, they've kind of made a move lately under P.J. Fleck, who's kind yeah. of this sloganeering, uh, boisterous, lots of, lots of, of uh, big, big talker, and he's very intense. And he's opening up with Ohio State tonight at home. Um, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen here because I don't see anyone beating Ohio State or even competing with them, really. I mean, somebody could surprise them. I I suppose Penn State has always been unafraid of them under James Franklin, and I think that's impressive. They have played them tough and hard and unafraid even when they have not won the game. And they've they've led by double digits in the fourth quarter a couple of times and lost games. Even when they didn't have a very good team last year, they played them hard. They played them tough. Uh, so I suppose they could go into Columbus and win. But, man, I don't see anybody else on that schedule. I, I, I don't really believe in Indiana this year. Uh, I don't see anybody in the East really challenging them. So I think you're going to have to get them early with C.J. Stroud, a freshman quarterback from Los Angeles. Ohio State recruits all over the country now. They're really the only school – in the Big Ten that's a national recruiter. Penn State's trying to be, and to some extent they are. Michigan has tried to be, so to some extent they have been. But otherwise, it's, it's Ohio State's on a different level as far as recruiting, have been under Urban Meyer, still are under Ryan Day. And they've got position coaches who are very, very good recruiters too and developers of talent, especially Brian Hartline, their wide receivers coach. And I think that's kind of separated them. Uh, so I'm still interested to see what's going to happen tonight. I, I, I'm just as, just like you guys are. I, I'm, I love the start of the season. Cause there's so, there's all these unexpected, you don't know what will happen.
1: Hey Dave, Penn state's supposed to have a couple of pretty good wide receivers in <laughs> Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington. I heard some good things
2: about, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith. All well, is that going to be a strength? It all depends on the quarterback, and yeah. they've got a new offensive coordinator, Mike Iriscit, who's had a very decorated, great career. Uh, coach Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State really was plucked out of obscurity uh, by Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. He was a, he was a coach at Shippensburg, and Mike Gundy was on the internet looking for a new, a new cord, a new quarterback coach and coordinator, and he plucked them out of nowhere. He was making forty-four thousand dollars a year at Shippensburg and said to him, uh, what do you think of 400000 Is that okay?
1: And
0: <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs>
2: and, and uh, Jursich said, yeah, that'll do. That's okay. Uh, he spent six very good years at Oklahoma State, then went to uh, Ohio State, then went to Texas. He really didn't have the wherewithal to run his own shop, I don't think, at Austin. Because you, you've got a guy, you had a guy named Tom Herman there, used to be Ohio State quarterback coach and quarterback whisper and guru. And you had a veteran quarterback there. And I, I'm not sure that he had the, the kind of situation like he does now, where I think he can do whatever he wants and call whatever he wants, wherever he wants to call it. But the thing is, Sean Clifford and he have to mesh. Very quickly, you mentioned they're playing a league game right out of the box on the road after not having played on the road in a real road environment for two years. None of these guys remember probably what that's like. It's it's going to take some getting used to. You remember even Joe Moorhead and Trace McSorley, they needed a few games. They didn't really hit their stride until the fifth game against Minnesota, and they were behind in that game. They had seven points in the middle of the third quarter before they started to to really mesh. So it takes time usually with a new coordinator and a veteran quarterback. Um, I don't know if they have the time. I mean, they don't have the time. They're going to have to try to hit it right out of the box. Jahan Dodson's a very good receiver, um, really p- had a terrific game against Ohio state and a loss um, uh, really, really kind of abused uh, their, <laughs> their cornerback. It was supposed to be a, uh, a terrific All-America cornerback and, and, and really kind of played him off his feet. He played well against everybody. He kind of he went to a new level last year. Uh, Penn State has a, a, the, the same wide receivers coach for the second year for the first time in five years in Taylor's wow. So I think that means something too. They've, they've kept rotating that position. And in, in college football these days, you need continuity in your air game and they just haven't had it. Um, this will also be the fourth offensive coordinator, I believe, in uh, five years since Joe Moore had left, yeah. or, or maybe I guess it's six. Um, so all of these things play into it. It's very hard to keep a staff together. It's very hard to keep players together because they're in the transfer portal all the time if they're not satisfied. Continuity is hard to come by. And Penn State really hasn't had it lately. We'll see. We'll see what happens uh, at, at Wisconsin.
0: Well, you mentioned wide receivers, uh, running backs. Noah Kane is back. He looks like, uh, sounds like, at least he's he's doing well, that he's healthy from his injury. Sean Clifford, it, it seems like the depth is a little weak at quarterback if, if something were to happen to Clifford. Um, so skill position-wise, not bad. Can they block? You know, well, I always get got, to the O-line. Can they block?
2: Yeah, they've got two really, I think, really good uh, offensive tackles in Caden Wallace and Rasheed Walker. And, you know, we thought Ohio, the, the offensive line would be better than it was a couple times in the last few years. I really believe these offensive tackles should be able to block really well for Sean Clifford. And I don't think Mike Yuricich is going to run him as much as Kirk Shiraka Sci- did uh, last season. I, I don't think he's really a running quarterback. I don't think he should run him. And to your point, Bill, they can't get him cuffed up because you've got Taquan Roberson, a raw rookie, behind him, and you can't put him that, in that kind of situation. They've got Auburn in week three. Uh, they, they need to keep Sean Clifford healthy. He needs to get the ball out quickly, make decisions, throw it away if he has to, because they, they can't get him banged up. Uh, and then, then, by the way, their, their next Big Ten game is at Iowa in week five. So it, it's not going to be easy. A resurgent Illinois team the next week, Uh, Under under Brett Bielema, it's it's not really a very easy schedule. It's never easy in the east, but I think it's a little tougher than we anticipated simply because I think Illinois is better than people thought they were. And they got Wisconsin out of the west. It's not easy.
1: Hey, Dave, after going four and five last season, is uh, James Franklin on the hot seat this
2: year? No, no, he shouldn't be (laughs) (laughs) anyone who anyone. Look, I was I've said this over and over. I misjudged what James Franklin would do for this program. He has rebranded the place when they needed it in his own image. When, do, when does everyone, anyone, think about the Sandusky scandal anymore? I mean, really, everyone's going to talk about it in a couple of weeks because the anniversary of the presentment will be on November fifth. Mm-hmm. But that'll come and go. Uh, that was that was a shackle around the the program for for a long time and I I don't think anyone believed it could be shed this easily. And and James Franklin kind of took this on. A subtle thing about James Franklin is he he rebranded the, same, the the whole place in his own image. And I think what people think of around the country when they think of Penn State is James Franklin. Uh they view him in a very good light. He is recruited in a way. I mean, think about what Penn State really is. Uh, in the old days, they would recruit Western PA. Well, Western PA is kind of dried up. You know, it's old industrial Rust Belt towns. Um, they, were, they were getting a little stodgy in recruiting and not, not even trying to recruit the Sun Belt for a long time. I mean, if they'd made mistakes the way Nebraska made mistakes in the way they, they have picked head coaches, they could be Nebraska. They're not. They're recruiting at a top level. They're right now judged to be the number one recruiting class in 2022 by 24-7 composite, the number one in the entire country. That's that's James Franklin and the staff that he has has chosen and rotated. Now, you can have you can have arguments about whether he's developed a talent correctly, or sometimes his in-game decisions have left a lot to be desired. I'm the first guy who has given him trouble about that because it's true. He blew the Indiana game last year. Yeah. He did. But, but I think he's a smart guy. He's a bright guy. He presents a good face to the program, to kids around the country. And, buddy, recruiting is the lifeblood of the program. If you've got talent, you always have a chance, and Penn State has talent. And if they didn't have James Franklin, they very well might not have.
0: Well, you can't talk Penn State football without talking defense, at least back in the old days. Uh, last year, not so good. This year, strong defensive backfield coming back, a lot of experience. Anyway, um, this defense is going to be a whole lot better, we hope?
2: Well, I have a lot of concerns about the defensive front. Uh, I was talking to Phil Steele uh, a couple of weeks ago I, We're we're – Friends, He's a Cleveland guy. I'm an Ohio guy. And he's he's given me all of the Phil Steele issues because I I had like five or six that I didn't have. And he's filled in all my gaps. He believes or believed, at least when Adisa Isaac was uh, ticketed for one of the defensive end positions, that this was going to be a very underrated defensive front. He had them ranked number two in the Big Ten. I would be very concerned about them right now, especially in this first game. I think if they have time to mesh and gel and develop, they could be pretty good. And I think the linebacking layer is is going to be very good. The secondary is terrific. But you have to stop people at scrimmage first or people are just going to run on you. And Wisconsin will do that. So that would be my concern.
1: Going to be an interesting year for sure. Hey, I want to ask an Eagles question. Miles Sanders, of course, in his third season now with the Birds, a former Nittany Lion, uh, just like he did last year. He's apparently having a tough time catching the ball uh, during the training camp part of the year. Uh, Did he have those issues at Penn State? And what's the outlook for Sanders and
2: the Birds this season? You know, he followed Saquon Barkley. And that's not really quite fair. (laughs) I mean, a couple of Saquon Barkley's most famous plays were actually receptions Mm on 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 circle routes uh, out of the backfield. Um, I'm 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 a big believer in Miles Sanders. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, the, the the Eagles have many, many, many more problems than Miles Sanders, I believe. <laughs> uh, I, I I would not I would not make him a, a concern. He's, he's going to run the ball. And he's going to do what he's supposed to do. He's going to be a three, a three down back. And I think he's going to block for you. Yeah, blocking blocking backs, bl- protecting the quarterback is an underrated skill. I think he's pretty good at that. Uh, you know the eagles have all sorts of problems in their infrastructure and their their their, their, their roster frankly right now that they're way way outstrip uh, miles sanders he's the least of their problems
1: okay
0: why well, dave before we run out of time uh can we get you to throw out a prediction what do you like for the penn state nittany lions this year I think, more- gonna
2: a, I think they're going to have an i think they're going to have a pretty good season a 9 and 3 season but i think it's a lot to ask for a brand new coordinator, like I said, Joe Moorhead and McSorley, it, it's a kind of a mesh, you know, the quarterback and the coordinator. You're, 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 depending on Sean Clifford, a veteran quarterback, now going through his third coordinator. Okay, for, it, it, technically his fourth, if you want to, if you want to consider his redshirt season, which was under Joe Moorhead, n- learning a new system under each one, and you've got a very dynamic. Uh, hard coaching coordinator in Mike Yursich. I think they'll be fine by week four or five, but I think it's a lot to ask for them to to come right out of the shoot blazing in week one, and this is an awfully tough game. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin against that questionable defensive front for Penn State is the issue, so I'm going to go with Wisconsin 27 to 16. Okay. All right. I got the under, and I have Wisconsin covering. But go. I think all I think right. Penn State will bounce back and have a pretty good season.
0: Good deal. Well, Dave, hey, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, we're already out of time. We could we could do this for the whole hour, I think, with uh, <laughs> with no problem. But I uh, got a
2: pack, so I couldn't do it for an old. That, so. That's <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy your get trip a uh, to Madison tomorrow morning early. Go. All
0: right, enjoy a couple of these early big games, and uh, I hope you make it through the Villanova game.
2: I got friends coming in from that. Yeah. All right, boys. You'll have a good
0: time with it anyway. Thanks, Dave.
2: See you
0: in. All right. Hey Chad, if your couch is getting more mileage than your car, it's time. To start saving with All States Pay As You Go Auto Insurance.
1: Yes, indeed, Bill. All States Pay As You Go Auto Insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay per mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay per mile car insurance by calling your local agent. You know by now that in Westchester, that would be Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430. 0700. Once again, 610 430 0700 and start to save more now that you are driving less. Hi, football fans. This is Meryl Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good.
0: It's a good time of year. Makes makes you, you know, get a little little jump in your step, you know? Happy birthday, Merle. Merle Merle's 79 today. How about that? That's right. That's right. Hey, Chad, I'm going to assume, since it came from uh, our pal Keith Pompey, Ben Simmons wants out. He's not coming to training camp. Joel Embiid has now come to his defense a little bit. Uh, What do you make of it, other than you're happy and hope he doesn't come? It's a mess. I mean, frankly,
1: I understand Simmons taking this position, but at the the same time, I think it was totally dumb on his part to go public with it because, yeah, he's making it known that he's not happy, Um, but He's also pissing off the Sixers, and they're not going to be as willing to trade him. They still want to get the best deal possible. And by him making this stand, it's going to make it tougher for them to get a great deal. So he may end up just staying with the team and sitting out and not playing for a while. So it's going to be a mess.
0: Do, do you think, I mean, do you think this is just a little leverage nonsense? Zach Ertz, I mean, we see the same thing with Zach Ertz. He hated everybody in town. Now all of a sudden he's back. It's all forgotten. Let's strap it up and go. Uh, you know, we, are we are we playing around a little bit here, you think?
1: Anything could happen. I, mean, I never thought Zach Ertz would be here, you know, come September of this year after what happened last year, his, you know, tearful goodbye. Same with Brandon Graham a few years ago for different reasons. But sometimes stuff happens. Uh, but I, I think there's about a 2% chance, maybe 1.5% that Simmons is back and playing again in November with the Sixers.
0: Well, I think I think the interesting thing here is: is he mad at the Sixers? Is he mad at you? Is he mad at the fans? Is he mad at the people that he thinks don't love him anymore and thinks his toes don't stink or whatever that old saying is? He's
1: mad at the Sixers fans for one thing, but he's also mad at uh, I think Doc Rivers and Sixers brass because Doc Rivers, you know, what asked is Ben Simmons the point guard for this team going forward? Doc kind of hesitated and said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And he, he got his feelings hurt. He's 25 years old. I mean, he was babied over in Australia. He's got to get over this. <laughs> He's got... I, I tell you, Charles Barkley was on 97.5 all afternoon today, which is an annual thing. It was great. And Charles, of course, always tells it like it is. And he was killing Simmons for this approach, saying, you know, come on, just, just man up. Start shooting the ball,
0: be a man, and get over it. You're, you're not going with the touchy-feely thing anymore with Ben Simmons. <laughs> no, not at no. all. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. They can't give him away. You know, they, they got to get something for him. Like you say, if he's driving his value down, that creates a whole other problem, and he ends up in camp or, or not in camp but still property to the Sixers. Then you have real trouble. Well, he first said that he only wanted to go to California if
1: they're going to trade him. Now he apparently has told people who go to any of the other 29 teams except stay in (laughs) Philadelphia. So whatever they can get for him, but it's got to be something of, you know, decent value. They're not just going to take, you know, 10 cents on the dollar.
0: Right. Well, you know, I led into this with, uh, you know, that I'm going to assume it's true because it came from Keith, but uh, you know, anybody can write anything and people want to, want to believe it. So. Um, you know, and the same is being said, a lot of negative things being said about Carson Wentz, uh right now in Indianapolis. And I happen to know somebody that's uh in Indianapolis that says it's none of it's true. It's just hmm. it's just noise out there, you know, people making noise. So um yeah, eh, we'll see what happens. Speaking of Carson Wentz, we
1: hope that he is uh getting over the COVID thing and that he can play the opening week because as you know, Six or the Eagles need him to play 70 to 75 percent or more of the
0: plays so they get a first round draft pick. That's right. All right, Chet. Uh, the results of our eighth annual Philly Press Box Hall of Fame voting is in. Uh, we appreciate all the fans that took time to vote. Uh, again, I think they got it right. Uh, remember, the fans voted for five of the 17. On the ballot, the top three vote-getters automatically got in. Then you were going to pick one, and I was going to pick one. Well, uh, we had a tie. We had a tie. So the fans are four. And because the guy that I thought I was probably going to pick is already in, I have turned my or our pick into one pick, which is you are going to make. Uh, okay. So that be the five. So let's go ahead, and uh, we'll get with it. Our twenty. 2021 ballot, Uh, the following players were carryovers from the previous year. Uh, They're listed in order here. Okay, so last year, Darren Dalton got the least votes. Chet Walker, Ron Hextall, Jimmy Rollins, Donovan McNabb, Mo Cheeks, Gary Maddox, Bob Brown, Chase Utley, Randall Cunningham, and Ryan Howard. That was from bottom to top. We added Eric Allen, Johnny Callison, Doug Collins, Bernard Hopkins, Brian Westbrook and John LeClaire as additions to this year's ballot. So that brings us to the votes for this year. Again, bottom to top. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, we got 17 names to choose from. As you said, the 11 holdovers and then the six new ones on the ballot this year. And at the very bottom, I don't even know if he got a vote Bernard Hopkins. No votes. Uh, wow. (laughs) No votes. Don't tell him he might come and punch us. Uh, yeah. Bernard Hopkins, dead last Doug Collins, 16th Chet Walker, who's never gotten a whole lot of support despite sharing the name Chet with me. He was 15th.
0: Well, 14, 13 and 12 Chet, believe it or not, Donovan McNabb was 14th still at the (laughs) bottom and he got one and a half percent of the votes or something, uh, just no love for McNabb ever, any year. I think this is probably the fifth of the eight years he's been on there, I I think. Uh, Gary Maddox was next. Darren Dalton was next. So that gets us to 11.
1: Yeah, poor Donovan. Uh, number five, always in the bottom five. That's just the way it goes. All right, number 11 was Ron Hextall. In your top 10, but still not going in, Bob Brown, the Boomer. And then we had a tie for eighth and ninth, Johnny Callison and Demi Rollins. So they were eighth.
0: Technically tied and uh, still not in the top five and not going in. Nope. And that gets us to number six because we had a tie. So that makes it six and seven. So tie for six. Mo Cheeks, and a basketball Hall of Famer. And Chase Utley is on the outside looking in. All right. Now our top five,
1: which doesn't guarantee anything unless you're in the top three. Number five was uh, a first-timer to
0: the ballot this year. The former Eagle DB, Eric Allen. Eric Allen. And now that gets us to the tie. Uh, And interesting, too, uh, Randall Cunningham and Brian Wook. Randall never has gotten a whole lot of love, a little more than McNabb, but never a ton of love. But he got it this year. So Randall Cunningham and Brian Westbrook tie for third. They are both in.
1: Yeah, we just saw
0: Randall, and there's number 36,
1: Brian Westbrook, so congrats to those two great Eagles. They are going into our Hall of Fame. And then at number two, Bill, a guy that I know you liked, and he's going to be going in because he got enough votes. He was uh, more popular than I think either of us thought
0: would be, but uh, John LeClaire, new to the ballot and new to our Hall of Fame, number two. Yeah, and you know, uh, I I thought I was probably going to have to make a pick, you know, and I thought... John Leclerc was probably my pick because I was struggling. You look at what he did in his five years and you look at what Jimmy, uh, Rollins and chase Utley did in their five years, uh, all, all great careers. Uh, but I couldn't decide whether it was going to be chase or Jimmy or Jimmy or chase and John Leclerc's numbers, uh, goal scoring numbers in those years were second to none. So I would have gone with LeClaire, uh, had I had my choice and, uh, So I I like it. I'm not sure I would have thought he was two, but I like it. But that gets us to number one, and that is the big piece. Ryan Howard getting the love from the 08 team or the the greatest run in Phillies baseball history that period of time. Uh, Ryan Howard, uh, does that surprise you that he is ahead of Jimmy and Chase? No, not really, because uh, he was
1: just out of the top three last year. I think he came in fourth or fifth and you know we didn't put him in so uh no he's he's always been you know pretty popular he he occasionally got booed when he struck out swing at out those outside pitches but i think he was always a very popular guy with the fans as were um rollins and utley but i got to be honest i voted for the big piece to see
0: yeah, yeah, well, I did too, and, uh, you know, I, I think the thing that uh, I'm, I was a little surprised with with Ryan is because after he got hurt there at the end and he struggled through those last couple of seasons, uh, yeah. the fans kind of turned on him a little bit, I think, and uh, he was the last kind of the last man standing out of that group, and uh, it didn't really end well for him, uh, but man, what a great player. They don't do what they did without, without what he did, that's for sure. Yeah. So. Glad to have Ryan in there. So I think the fans did a great job. Randall Cunningham, Brian Westbrook, John LeClair, Ryan Howard. That brings us to R1. And uh, I know who you're picking. So, and I'm in agreement with your pick. So this Good. is our pick. How's that?
1: Well, the fans did a great job in picking the big piece, John LeClair, also, and Randall and B. West from the Eagles. In fact, Bill, they did such a great job with their votes this year that I'm going to just go chalk and simply go with the guy who finished fifth in the voting. Heck, I voted for him a couple of times myself because you were allowed to vote, you know, once per day. And it is old number 21 right here, Eric Allen of your Philadelphia Eagles. He played the first seven years of his great career with the birds, 1988 through 94. He was a five-time pro bowler as an Eagle, 34 career interceptions, which ties him with Brian Dawkins and super bill Bradley for the lead all time
0: for the franchise. So Eric Allen, you're going into our hall of fame. Congratulations. There you go. Good, good job. Like you said, great choices by everybody. We appreciate them jumping in. It's a fun little annual thing. We've done eight years now. Uh, what that gets us, 45, I think, 45 yeah. members of our Hall of Fame. Uh, so Randall Cunningham, Brian Westbrook, Eric Allen of the Eagles, John LeClaire of the Flyers, Ryan Howard of the Phillies are our new members, 2001 class of Philly Press Box Radio.
1: And next year, Bill, I think we're going to have to drop a few names from this list and add a few more like Jerome Brown, maybe David Akers. I don't know. A couple other guys. So uh we'll, we'll add some new names for you to think about next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, Chad. I think we thought we were putting a, a pretty cool name in there with Bernard Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he did a lot of great things in the ring. Uh, Certainly not the best of human beings, but he was a good boxer. Uh, but, uh, No love for Bernard Hopkins. None at all. Um, Oh, well. That's it. Sorry, B-Hop. All right. We'll do it again next year. And you know what, Chet? We might. We'll see how things go. We might. uh, Maybe it's time to have another Hall of Fame uh, announcer. Yeah. Do we have
1: two or three? I can't remember. I know We have three.
0: Who's the third?
1: Merle. Oh, Merle did get in his third. I Mary couldn't remember. I couldn't Mary find it. Harry
0: Callis, Gene Hart, and Merle Reese are in. Okay.
1: I knew we had Harry. I knew we had Gene. I wasn't sure who we put in the third time. I knew we did no. it, but I couldn't remember if it was and him there, or somebody and, else. And there's still a lot of good choices. Oh, absolutely. Mark Zumoff and the, the PA guys, Dan Baker, um, Lou Nolan, of course. So, yeah, we Go, will have to talk, talk about Campbell. that. Bill, Bill
0: Campbell, Campbell, Campbell,
1: the legend, yep.
0: All right. Well, let's get on with it because we have a second guest. So uh, let's get that rolling. You had a chance to talk baseball with the voice of the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, Pat McCarthy. Uh, Well, I guess it was two days ago now. It was going to be yesterday's show. Uh, Pat got a chance to fill in for his dad recently. Tell us how your conversation went with Pat. Uh, got a, he's got a lot of good reviews.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like many Phillies fans, Bill, we tuned in a few weeks back, uh, to watch the Phillies and it was not Tom McCarthy calling the games. It was in fact, Pat, who is 26 years old, T-Max 26 year old son, Pat, who worked with Ruben Amaro Jr. And calling those Saturday and Sunday games. And I said at that time. He's pretty good, and I think we should uh, try to get him to come on our show and talk about the whole thing. So we did that. I did some investigating, tracked Pat down, made it happen. He is a nice young man, and I have to do that uh, share thing to find it. So let's do that, and we'll get our interview with Pat McCarthy on here. Well, we love it when we have a first-time guest on with us at Philly Press Box Radio, and I know this one is going to be a lot of fun. We've had his father on with us seven times, seven years in a row, as a matter of fact. Uh and that would be, of course, Philly's television voice, Tom McCarthy. And now we get a chance to say hello to the voice of the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, and that would be Pat McCarthy. How you doing, Pat?
3: Good chat. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, we got so much to talk with you about. Uh, we'll talk Philly's baseball and your recent call to the big leagues in just a minute. Um, ten days ago, of course, you filled in for your dad. But first of all, is it true that as a kid, you spent a lot of time at uh, the ballpark in Trenton, what's now known as Arm and Hammer Park?
3: Yeah, all the time. So my dad started with the Thunder in in 1994 when the team started and I was born in 95. So from there, we kind of spent most of our time there. Honestly, my mom was teaching and my brother wasn't born until 97. So it was just the two of us. And then even once Tommy was born, that's where we spent most of our time until 2000. We, you know, before we started playing little league and went to school and stuff like that, we we'd go to the ballpark, sit on his lap, listen to him, wreck havoc as most three to five year olds do. And uh it, I wish I had more memories of it. Obviously, we have a ton of pictures and stuff like that, which has always been cool to look back on. But yeah, we spent a lot of our days at uh you know, watching the Thunder play in those early years. That's about the
1: time I met your dad as well, 94, 95. Um, I know you were a ball player. You played up through your junior year at the College of New Jersey. How good a player were you?
3: Oh, not very good at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I was, it was interesting. So I was a first baseman my entire life. I, I caught up until probably about my freshman year of high school, and my knees just didn't allow that anymore. Hmm. So I, uh, I moved over to first, ba- first base, and I wasn't a very good first baseman and then around when I was a senior in high school or so, I started messing around with my throwing partner and I would drop down to throw a sidearm just to mess with him to see what would happen. And I realized that I could throw it pretty well and that I had a little bit of, you know, movement on it. So I went to my legion coach that summer. I said, hey, I, I can pitch, you know, I can throw a sidearm. He's like, no, nah, no, no, you can't. You can't do it. I'm like, no, I can't. I promise. So it was like a random Saturday afternoon and uh, he let me throw a bullpen session. He was like, you know, you're messing with me right now, but, but I'll let you do it so i went out i threw one game uh, i went well i went to syracuse university for my freshman year of college tried out for the club baseball team there made it as a pitcher and uh and then just kept working on it to transfer to tcnj and got an amazing opportunity to play two seasons there era at zero we're not going to talk about the uh the total appearances made because that's just you know that's just logistics <laughs> and we, don't need to, uh, we don't need to get into the details of it but yeah it was it was an incredible experience. I mean, getting a chance to play college baseball for two years, it allowed me to meet some amazing people. Some of my best friends for life are from that team, and uh, yeah, it was cool. And now, and now I'm a, and now I'm a pitching nut. So every time a uh, a side armor comes in, I can, uh, I get a, I get a little bit, a uh, little bit extra happy.
1: I bet. So your first real broadcasting job, I guess, was in 2017. You got to call a couple of innings of numerous games for those double-A reading fightings working with Matt Province. When and how did you end up in Lehigh Valley then?
3: Yeah. So Matt was my my boss in Lehigh Valley that first year. Mike Ventola, who's my partner now, uh, was the voice of the, the Fightins okay. in 2017. And yeah, he um, you know, they they took me in as as an intern that year. I hadn't called any baseball besides for maybe two innings of a Thunder game in the summer of 2016. I had already started calling Princeton basketball at that point. And yeah, so I, I knew I wanted to get into minor league baseball. My playing days were done my senior year of college because I hurt my back. So I knew there was no shot of me playing anymore. Sent out emails all over the place. I was ready to either go out to the, the Northwest League for short season or the Midwest League, wherever. Uh, and you know, I went down to the winter meetings in 2000, the December or January of that winter and you know, met up with some people, sent the emails out and, you know, they were kind of revamping their media relations position at that point. And, you know, they gave me the offer to serve as basically their number three behind, you know, Mike and, and Greg Caserta. And those two were amazing. They've become two of my closest friends to set me up for broadcasting. Uh, I was doing maybe one to two innings a game. I really wasn't doing a ton. I went on one road trip and then 2018 came and, and the Iron Pigs were kind of doing the same thing that they were going to revamp their media relations department and change their media relations internship into more of a combo with broadcasting. So when that happened, you know, I interviewed with Matt and he said, is this something that you'd be willing to do? Can you take on a full-time media relations internship while also balancing broadcasting duties? And I said, that's basically what I was doing all year in Reading anyway. So we were able to make it happen. And I came on as Matt's number two in that summer of 2018. Uh, and then Matt, after, after, serving as the voice of the iron pigs for the first 11 seasons decided to take a job uh in in college athletics and you know mike ventola then came in they revamped the you know the broadcasting role again and decided to make it a seasonal position and mike took on a full-time role as the media relations and uh, representative and i was able to take on the role as as the uh, number one broadcaster in 2019.
1: You mentioned uh, Princeton basketball,
3: and how much fun was it in 2018
1: calling the game with your dad?
3: Yeah, it was uh, it was an incredible experience. You know, it's one that I don't know if we'll ever you know truly have an opportunity to do again. Um, you know, Princeton came to us with a about a two weeks beforehand with the with the option, and uh, you know, we both considered it. We I think at first we were all like we were both kind of like yeah, you know, how's this going to work? Like, what are we going to do with it? And it ended up being such an incredible experience one, one that will you know will never forget. And Kyle Franco, who took that photo, came over and he goes, "Man, we need we need to document this. We we need to have this forever." He goes, "This is such a cool experience." Yeah. Uh, and for my dad, who called Princeton games for so long, and you know, for me to have an opportunity to call games for the Tigers, it's it, it's really special. Uh, you know, I, we always joke that. I've just been able to follow in his footsteps with all these different things, whether that's calling Princeton football, calling Princeton basketball, calling St. Joe's basketball, or uh, we're working in the Eastern League as our first jobs in minor league baseball. So, and that was special. Uh, All
1: right, so about 10 or 11 days ago, uh, Phillies fans tuning into the Phillies Padres weekend games didn't hear Tom McCarthy call the games on TV. They instead got Pat McCarthy. You were great, by the way. Uh, But how did that come about? How far in advance did you know this was going to happen? And be honest, how nervous were you?
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, about two weeks beforehand, uh, you know, obviously I knew my my dad was going to be missing games for you know for the football season, and and I just really wasn't sure what was going to happen. I had received a call from, uh, you know, from the folks at NBC Philly asking for you know a copy of my website so that way they could you know review some of my tapes and stuff like that. So I'd sent stuff to them prior uh, just for feedback and stuff like that. So. So I knew there was a shot. Uh, You know, my dad didn't really know. I didn't know. He and I had conversations just to kind of, you know, think about what it would be like and what the opportunity would be like. And then uh, the Friday beforehand, uh, we were down in Ocean City, and uh, we were vacationing with our family, and Sean Alexiak from NBC Sports Philadelphia gave me a call, and and asked if it was something that I'd be interested in. And uh, obviously my answer was yes right away. Of course. But uh, yeah, it, it was a really cool experience. So I knew I, I knew definitively a, a week out. Uh, so I was able to t- spend that next week. Well, balancing preparation for you know my series for the Iron Pigs, because they were still taking on the Rail Riders and Scranton that week and then heading up to Rochester to take on the Red Wings. So I had a balance knowing that I still had a bunch of games to call for the Pigs while also preparing for the Padres series. And then in terms of nerves... Honestly, the number one thing that I was nervous about was filming the open because the on-camera stuff is what I'm really not used to. We've done it for yeah. St. Joe's, and I've done a couple for Princeton, but other than that, you know, I'm a radio broadcaster for baseball. We don't ever do on-camera stuff really, besides maybe a stand-up here or there for a promo. So that that was the number one thing in terms of nerves. Uh, and once we knocked that out, it was just 8:40 came. It was time to throw the headset on and. O'Double hit the first, you know, the leadoff home run. From there, we were off and running. It was probably the best yeah. thing that could have happened, honestly, just because it allowed me to let loose and then just be able to call the game from there.
1: And your first game was certainly an interesting one. Aaron Nola, perfect for six innings. Did you think you might be seeing some history in the making your your first night as a big league broadcaster?
3: Yeah, so it was probably around like the fourth or fifth inning when my phone started really blowing up. Uh, I had it on do not disturb, so I really wasn't looking at it too much outside of text from our uh, you know, Carl Graber, our statistician, who was, you know, feeding me information during the night. So I was trying to, you know, stay disconnected as much as I can from people outside, you know, our little studio, just so I can focus. But yeah, at that point, my phone started blowing up. And like I said, I'm a pitching nut. So all of my buddies from college were all texting me because they know how much I love pitching duels. And uh, it it was special. Aaron was really good that night. It's unfortunate that didn't come away with the win. But yeah, it was probably around right after the fifth or sixth inning that I was like, all right, yeah, i gotta be prepared now because this you know something special is happening right now
1: yeah and you and ruben tomorrow were great together by the way so uh, again yeah, congrats on that all right so the phillies pat full disclosure we're taping our little chat on monday and as we speak the phil's are four and a half games behind the braves in the nl east the schedule is friendly for the phillies but that doesn't guarantee anything of course we know that uh they're on the road right now where they've struggled in the last few years They've been dealing with a lot of injuries. What do you think of this team? Do they have a shot? Especially considering those injuries, Reese Hoskins and whatnot.
3: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Reese and Eflin is is a, is a huge loss for this team. But I mean, yeah, I, they're still in it, so they still got a shot. You know, you know, what is it, four and a half back at this point, and right. four games out of the wild card. Anything can happen. You know, you do have a favorable schedule, but as Joe Girardi said on the West Coast road trip, he's tired of hearing about that because it doesn't matter if you don't win games. So, you know, they're going to go down to Washington and hopefully they can come away with a couple of victories. And yeah, I mean, the road's obviously been a difficult spot. They've been really good at home this year when you look at the splits. So I still think they have a shot. I still think they have an opportunity. I think this was a big homestand being able to take three or four from Arizona and kind of bounce back after that tough uh, trip to the desert. So, yeah, are, are the odds in their favor? Probably not, but they still have a shot. If they hit, they obviously have a shot. And I still like the starting rotation. Obviously you have to find a spot right now to fill Eflin's, but in my opinion, the four of the five that are in there right now, especially if Ranger continues to throw the baseball the way he is, Mm -hmm. Kyle Gibson's been everything you could have asked for him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Zach Wheeler's obviously a, you know, potential Cy Young winner for this year. And and Aaron at any point can be the ace that, you know, he can be. And we saw it in San Diego. So I, I think this team is in good shape. I just think that, you know, obviously it was a tough swing. The Braves are a really good team. So You know, the Braves have a tough schedule coming up. You know, the Yankees did them some favors as they were able to, uh, you know, win some games. But other than that, they're going to have to catch Atlanta. And, you know, they have another opportunity to play them this season. And that's going to be a huge series when that time comes.
1: Hey, one criticism, and it's a major concern, frankly, is that the Phillies farm system is not exactly filled with great prospects. The opposite in fact as a broadcaster for the iron pigs who are 10 games under 500 as we speak you would know better than most are there any legitimate prospects either there or
3: at reading well i think bryson stott is absolutely a j- legitimate prospect and i have to after having a tough month in july when he came up from jersey shore he's absolutely tearing it up in august and he's being he is hitting like the first round pick that they expected him to be uh when they drafted him in 2019 so i think Bryson Shortstop, Stott's right? a guy shortstop yep, yeah. play a little bit of second base as well so I think Stott's a guy that the Phillies are obviously really high on and fans should be high on him because you know, he can hit the baseball he's only made six errors this season as well and I think that's a huge sign that he can go and glove it as well because DD only has one year left on his deal and then you know maybe Stott follows in after that uh you know Mick Abel down in in, in uh Clearwater is another guy I know he's hurt right now but he was throwing the baseball really well uh and still just 19 years old so the poise that he has i had a chance to talk with him uh, back in may uh and i was so impressed with him just his poise his demeanor so i think abel's going to be really good i know he's a couple of years away and then when you look in lehigh valley you know we have all four first round picks here from 2014 till 2018 now with randolph uh moniac hazley and boehm all playing in the iron pigs lineup which is exciting because you get a chance to see them and you know Cornelius Randolph is a guy that when his first season in AAA was the player of the month for the month of May and then was sidelined for an injury in all of June all of July and now most of August so he's just coming back uh I think had he continued and stayed healthy he probably would have gotten a shot in Philadelphia uh with the way that he was hitting Mickey Moniac's having a phenomenal year I know the average is only around 250 so you know fans don't you see that they don't love it but he got off to a really slow start, and he has been on a tear since the end of May. So Moniak, I think, has proven that he needed this season in AAA. I think a lot of guys uh, that missed last year went right to the big leagues. Have shown that this season in A is really important. Uh, so those two guys, you know, two former first round picks out of high school, I think, are two guys that still have an opportunity. And I've loved what I've seen from Alec Bohm. I think he's only been with us for a couple of days, uh, one series now, but. He's swinging the bat really well he's swinging the bat the way that we've seen alec bohm swing the bat uh, when he was having success in philadelphia so fans should be excited about that because alec Bohm's is going to be in this middle of the order for a long time and uh he's swinging the bat really well now in the last week
1: hope the defense is coming along too hey i said 15 minutes two minutes Uh, fast five we call this we do this with first-time guests five questions five real brief answers so here we go number one is it true that as a kid you wanted to be a marine biologist
3: yes very true until my friend zach told me that i could no longer spell it
1: <laughs> okay number two at eight or nine years old you were a big jim Tomy fan in 20 yeah. seconds what do you remember about meeting jim tomey and talking with him at that young age
3: oh one of the coolest experiences of my life my dad uh we were in the dugout pregame, and uh my eyes got wide i turned and looked down to the t- tunnel and my dad goes you'll have to excuse him excuse him a uh, big two five just walked in And then uh, Jim came over, sat next to me, had a conversation, and uh, signed a ball for me. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life.
1: Yeah, by all accounts, a great guy. You've managed to be at a handful of very memorable Phillies games over the last 15 years. Which ones immediately come to mind?
3: Oh, there's three. Uh, Game five, the 2008 World Series. Of course. Doc's no-hitter against the uh, the Cincinnati Reds. And then I was also at Hamill's no-hitter in uh, Chicago, his last start with the Phillies. So those three, by far.
1: Not bad. I know you're an Eagles fan, Pat. Yep. The season begins September 12th, a 17 game regular season. How will the birds do this year?
3: Well, I think it all depends on Jalen Hurts. You know, how does he how does he handle the quarterback position? I'm excited to see what he can do. Eight to nine wins. Eight to
1: That's nine That's what wins. I'm saying. So I'm, I'm agreeing. Number five, what is the best baseball movie?
3: Ooh, best baseball movie. Uh phew. uh sixty-one huh yeah that's a good one
1: underrated and finally as a little bonus question is your dad jealous of your head of hair
3: oh absolutely (laughs) it's not even close
1: you got that right well as i knew this would be this was a lot of fun follow our guest on twitter pat mccarthy underscore pat thanks for doing this and continued success
3: yeah chet thanks so much i appreciate you having me
0: hey i tell you what chet uh That is a polished young 26 year old right there.
1: Yeah, he was great. Uh, I wish him all the success. I'm sure we'll be seeing him again. He doesn't know for sure if he'll be doing any more games this September, but it it could happen because, you know, his dad of course is doing football pretty much every weekend now in the fall. So uh, we may see him again.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's got a plenty busy schedule with the iron pigs and all the Princeton stuff Oh yeah, yeah. and all that he's, he's already in the thick of it for uh we're just a kid, and he he doesn't sound like a kid. He said he was born in 1995. I thought I was going to fall out of my chair. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> we feel so old when we talk to oh these young people. Oh, my goodness.
0: Uh, uh. Especially when you see how well they're doing. I mean, he, yeah. there's a guy that's really, you can tell he's really got it together. You got it. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout out to all the shows over at the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week, including this one. All right, Uh, this episode is being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and now on Twitch. You can also catch all the action on www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, like, follow buttons, and as always, share with your family and friends. In addition to this great show, check out our partners in Philly sports, including Edge of Philly Sports Live, which was last night. Check out Freddie and Big Al. Joe was on vacation, but you can still check them out via podcast. Birds IQ, Kyle and Eric Quinn, were on tonight, and they'll be on every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Of course, we'll be back in our Wednesday slot uh, at 7 p.m., talking all things Eagles each week. And the Pattinson Avenue Fanatics, every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., wake up and have breakfast with the gang, TK, Marks, James, Dave, Paul, and Damon and get your Philly sports talk on. Like I said, if you miss the show, no worries. Grab the podcast on all the major platforms that are out there. And Chet, don't remember, or do remember, um, stay up to date on all Philly sports by visiting eopsports.com. Subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You can sign up there. And uh, every Friday it shows up in your email box about 10 a.m. or so. Yes, it does. All right. Hey, great guest tonight in David Jones and Pat McCarthy, who is coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week as we get ready to kick off the NFL season. I think you
1: know who's going to be here next week, Bill. You know that next Wednesday is the day before the NFL season kicks off, and it's four days before the Eagles' Falcons' season opener down in Atlanta. So, yeah, as you could probably guess, I'm going to have my annual season preview chat with the birthday boy himself. That would be Mr. Merrill Reese. 45 seasons now. This is number 45 that he's doing Eagles play-by-play. Always great to to talk to Merrill. Plus, we're going to have a visit from our buddy Bob Vitrone. Boop Boop is going to join us. We are working on a special semi-regular segment with Boop. Going to be talking to him about that this weekend. I'll let you know exactly what it is, Bill, because we're not sure exactly, but we are working on that. So we're going to have Merrill and Boop next week. That's going to be a good one.
0: All right. I may be one of the last to know. Yeah, uh, I
1: don't know yet either, but Boop said he's up for anything, so I'll keep you in the loop. All
0: right, good good deal. Looking forward to it, and uh, we, know, we know Merle will be great, that's for sure. So yep. um, we have a note, Chet. Let's just jump over here right quick. Robbie Ellis just sent something. Uh, don't know what happened to Facebook Live. Do we know anything huh. about that? I do not know. I'm not sure. Haven't seen any other notes. So Robbie, we'll check it out and see what happened, if it's our end or or what happened. But Yeah, our,
1: our my friend Jane said she had trouble connecting at first, but uh, I think it might have been an error on her part because we already had, you know, some people watching and
0: commenting. So I don't know. Could be gremlins out there, but who knows? We'll check it out. All right, one final break, Chet. Let's thank our friends at the PPCC 118 razroom Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can... Take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They change some things up, the very popular mystery boxes and Razes with just 11 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 11. Great odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC118RazzRoom. That's right, PPCC118RazzRoom on facebook so mr chesco we are actually kind of on time almost do you have a parting shot tonight we're actually going to run a couple of minutes late, Bill, because, uh,
1: yeah, just a couple odds and ends. Nice to see the Flyers and Sean Couturier getting together. He's getting a new deal. Eight years, $62 million. That's a bargain these days. Joel Faraby gets an extension as well. Also, whether you love him or you hate him, congrats to Howard Eskin, who just completed or celebrated his 35th anniversary of his very first sports talk show at WIP. He's still there, and Sports Talk Radio, as we all know, is thriving and something that is here to stay. Oh, 50 years ago on Wednesday, Bill, something happened in Major League Baseball for the very first time and it wasn't even intentional. Those Pittsburgh Pirates who were managed at the time by Danny Murtog, they put out an all black and latino starting lineup in the game against the Phillies at Three Rivers Stadium. It was the first time that ever happened. Richie Hebner and Gene Alley were nursing injuries and first baseman Bob Robertson was given the day off, so Uh, it turned out they had an all Latino lineup and Latino and Black. Uh, it was about the third inning when Dave Cash, who played third base, by the way, that day, said to one of his teammates, Damn, we got all brothers out there, and he was right. It was a bit of history in the making. And oh, by the way, the Pirates beat the Phillies 10 to 7 that night. And speaking of 1971, Bill Furman, I'm going to ask you because I know you can do it, I'm going to ask you to identify. These four guys in this picture right here from 1971, they are Baltimore Orioles. Go ahead. That
0: would be Jim Palmer, Dave McNally, Mm -hmm. Mike Quagliar is on the left, and uh, Jim Palmer, Dave McNally. Uh, Number 37. I'm drawing a blank. Initials Uh,
1: PD. Pat Dobson. Pat Dobson. Yep, they were the 420 game winners in 1971 for those Baltimore Orioles who my friend Denny would remind me ended up losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates in the World Series anyway. But we are never going to see that again, Bill. We probably never see three 20-game winners on one team in one season, let alone four. Yeah, I know. You don't see that often even. So history 50 years ago, four 20-game winners for those Orioles. That's all I got, Bill. Wrap it up.
0: Uh, All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, Let's thank tonight's special guests, David Jones and Pat McCarthy, our sponsors, the Irish Rover, Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razz Room, and Dave LaVoy of State Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September 8th at 7 p.m. Yes, sir. It's September. Quickly. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blocktalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. And, Chet, for everybody out there that uh, is having struggling through this week with the with these storms, uh, all the best to you, and reach out for help if you need it. There are many people out there that will uh, lend a hand. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what it's all about uh, at this time when people are struggling a little bit. So don't be afraid to do that, and uh, all the best to everyone. With that, High Hopes. Philadelphia sports fans. I hope he had